to get into the weeds of how things get made and the people who make them. Today on the podcast, we have Mark Bethune, who is a Canadian writer, director, and most recently the filmmaker behind Finders Keepers, which is available now on CBC Gem. This is a really great episode, especially if you're an inspiring filmmaker, because he really gets into the weeds of how things get made and give some really good advice on what to do if you have limited resources and a limited budget. But if you are not an inspiring filmmaker, rest assured there are lots of interesting tidbits for you. So let's get into it. So thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to have you on the show. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I want to get into um, really the, the beginning first, because that's always a good place to start. So you have a really interesting journey, um, not only into the industry, but also just kind of in general. And so I'm curious if you can kind of tell us a little bit about how you got into the indus- industry, especially noting, you know, your international uh, experience that you had. You know, like a lot of people, I, I went to film school. Well, sorry, even before that, um, in high school. It was actually my parents who noticed all the projects I was doing for school where I would just do a video and teachers seemed to like it and it was fun. And I never even really thought about film school. I, to be honest, I wasn't a film nerd. I mean, I loved the, the VHS jungle video down the street, but I didn't really uh, embrace it um, or really kind of know what it was. It's just small town naivety. And then my parents suggested I go to like a night school uh, video course and and that I turned into Ryerson and I just did my research and I ended up going to Ryerson for, for four years. Uh, and that's kind of where the, where I think I found myself as sort of like, oh yeah, this is kind of what I want to do. I don't want to get too dark too soon, but it was a very tough time for me after high school. My dad died that first year, but I, I dove right into, um, dove right into film school and busy as I could be during film school. And then I kind of cut off all my connections in Toronto and, and just kind of moved to London, England as, um, you know, a six month flight turned into six years almost. You know, I did a few commercials when, you know, the, the idea back then was like Spike Jones and Michelle Gondry were doing commercials and music videos. And that just seemed like the perfect way to kind of, you know, I'll just do that. <laughs> but then you move to London and you realize there's, uh, it's an expensive city. I talked my way into a job at a, um, at a hedge fund, which um, I saw that, and I and I thought, is that is that true? You worked in finance in London, like what yeah. an incredible part of your story. The, the, six months into the job, the two guys hated each other, and the the thing in two thousand and eight went to shit. I wasn't, you know, making money, uh, you know, that everyone assumes with the hedge funds. And when those guys split up, I got this kind of random opportunity in Bollywood, India. I met a producer at uh, where I worked and kept in touch. And all of a sudden I got this call, can you be in London? Or sorry, can you be in Mumbai on Monday? And I'm like, okay, sure. So jumped on that and had had fun there with that. It was like, felt like I was directing Transformers. It was like 150 people on set, you know, barefoot crew. And it was really, um, 
a pretty wild experience. So, um, uh, but anyway, that kind of reignited my film passion because I'd, I'd been out of film and, you know, just doing film projects on the side. From there, from there, I went to, I did a master's degree in the States. I thought it, the film student in me thought I should modernize and do the international, uh, sorry, the interactive storytelling, game design. And, but then after that, uh, that gave me the work visa in the States. So I ended up working in New York City with um, uh, Scott Rudin, who uh, has recently taken a step away from the industry to deal with some personal matters, I think is the most um, diplomatic way to say it. I think your listeners can um, Google it if they want to know what he's been up to. But anyway, um, that was like, you know, David Fincher and um, I remember Ben Stiller came in with a pilot that never uh, launched. The newsroom was happening at that time, Moneyball. And it was just, you know, I was in the corner reading scripts and cell phones are being thrown around the room. And it was just, you know, him and his five assistants. And it was really um, some aspects. It was very toxic, but it was also very inspiring. Just just the work ethic that people have and, and that sort of creative drive that uh, a lot of uh you know, top of the line people are, are working with. But anyway, I was working in New York and it was not, I uh, wasn't really living the dream. I, I realized, uh, you know, if I wanted to get my own things going, I, the best place to go was Canada. So I went back to, back to Canada and it just seemed so strange that I did all that to realize, oh, well, the best place to be is, is in Canada. I saw Finders Keepers and I thought it was the most incredible short film that I have seen in truly oh. a long time. And, and as soon as I watched it, I messaged at least five of my friends and I said, you got to see this. You got to check it out. This is incredible. So, oh, wow. so I really wanted to get into the weeds of, of how this gets made because obviously you've been with it from the, the very inception. You were a huge part of the reason why, how it got made. So I think that this is um, obviously a, a great, film, but also a really interesting case study in how to make things come to life. So mm -hmm. I want to start right at the beginning and, and maybe just for those, those listeners who haven't yet seen it, you definitely should go see it. First of all, it's on CBC gem, but can you give them the elevator pitch? Can you draw them in? Well, it was basically a, a this is not rehearsed, obviously a, uh, a pregnant lady in kind of the worst conditions trying to give, find a place to give birth. And that's that's kind of just half of it. You, you dive into the dystopian um, elements of it. And um, anyway, that's the elevator pitch. But, you know, how it, how it got started, I was just looking for something. What's the cheapest thing I can do with kind of as few as actor, a few actors as possible in one location? And that was, you know, very typical aspirations. You know, you don't have money, so you have the you use what's around you and that's you know the age-old thing and it you know I had to I should have done that right out of film school right but I took me all those uh, other things to kind of just get back to basics and so I, I wrote the script and the script came from just sort of general you know everyone's always telling you to raise the stakes and pregnant lady uh, in the middle of the winter that's pretty high stakes right so but then you have to make it more complicated and who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. And, uh, you know, we applied for grants, which is uh, the cool way in Canada. And, uh, you know, we're unsuccessful for, you know, whatever reason. I don't know. Um, just number of applicants and all that. And um, at that point, we just reached out to family and friends. You know, I've been calling myself a filmmaker for so long and written so many things that haven't been made. It was just kind of now or never, you know, we, had to cut our budget in half when we didn't get the um, 
grant money. I gave the script to, you know, literally kind of one friend that I'd kept in touch with since film school, uh, Dave Tompa, who's the bearded guy in the um, and film said, hey, man, what do you think of this? And basically asked him just because he's been an actor in Canada for, you know, uh, 15 years. And it was like, I said, you know, who would you cast in this from your friends? And, and turns out he knew Danny Kind and Christian Brune, uh, you know, whose careers of uh, gangbusters uh, with Working Moms and Orphan Black. And, and that, then once I had that, then you sort of get the momentum. You can sort of say, you know, you you play the game, really. You're using their names in every email that you send out. And that helped get some producers online. And, and then uh, our DP, Adam Madrick, from, uh, was also a Ryerson graduate. It's, well, yeah, let's shoot up my cabin. My dad bought this cabin in the 80s, and it's been kind of sitting here. Well, he died uh, a number of years ago. And uh, um, I just sort of had used it for writing and we actually shot, the, and then of course, yeah, well, who cares? We'll do it in the winter. That'll be fun. It'll, it'll look great. And then you get down to the logistics of, you know, bringing 20 people in. Uh, but anyway, four days up here, we had a horrible, not a horrible start, but just immediately the snow came. And I thought, oh man, everyone was kind of thinking, what did they sign up for? And we did the hardest thing first, just, you know, I think that's a good way to do it. Cause if you don't get it, then you can try again over the next couple of days. But we um, did the hardest thing first that the scene them coming down the hill and uh, you know, on cue, like we paid for it, the snowstorm came in and uh, we had this uh, great scene between uh, Dave and Christian. If I can, I want to go back on a couple of things and just and poke you for a little bit more information. So yeah. I feel like one of like financing is one of the toughest things to get people going and the biggest hurdles to get past. I mean, it obviously was for you, but you overcame it. And so I'm, I'm wondering if you have any advice, you know, for other filmmakers who are listening, who are having similar problems um, with grants potentially and, and, and how you kind of pull things together mm-hmm. with limited resources too. Yeah. The, the grant system, you know, I'm hoping it'll work for me in the future. You know, this is, I'm not, this is still just a short film, right? And I, I did not, it's not even the big leagues yet. So it's, uh, I still hope someday to be successful with grants and um, trying to understand that game. I just, I would just urge anyone to kind of follow up with them because it's the same people you'll be applying with them next year. And you hear about projects that apply every year. And then the seventh year, they finally get funding. And um, I, in the beginning, wasn't, I would say, oh, you know, screw them. I didn't get, get the money, whatever. And then I would move on to the next thing. But it's a lot of just kind of perseverance. And the grants didn't work out for us. And so that meant we had to cut our budget drastically, cut our days, cut the script in half, and just, you know, all these unfortunate things that you never want to do. Um, you know, you try to get as many favors as possible. And, you know, I still don't know the money game. I've, I'm just trying to raise 500000 now for my first feature and sending out these emails to, um, you know, people that have, you know, chosen different careers in like Bay Street or finance and stuff like that. And it's like, it's, you know, it's tough to ask that, hey, will you invest? It's kind of like, hey, do you know anybody? You know, can I get uh, introduced to anybody, you know, that might want to do this kind of thing? And um, that's just not the part of the industry that I really want to embrace or I mean, yeah, kind of have to. But it's just uh, not in my character um, naturally to do that. Uh, I would rather 
sit alone in a cabin and, and write a script, right? That's kind of the, that's where the fun is. I hope that Finders Keepers kind of helps, um, you know, kind of proves that, uh, you know, that I take this seriously and um, that there is commercial viability to, uh, the, you know, to film projects. And um, yeah, so it's just kind of perseverance and patience and uh, tenacity, I think, is just... Yeah, you just can't really stop. I think that that's really good advice. And and you mentioned about uh, the writing process. And I'm curious, you know, because I've heard that you like to write in this cabin. This ca- this cabin that seems to be the center of the your filmmaking universe. It's It was quite fun for me because I watched Finders Keepers. And then I read an article that it was filmed at this cabin. And then I watched your new film, uh, While I'm Here, which is yeah, also yeah. filmed at the cabin. Yeah. And I suspect that you wrote both of those things at the cabin. <laughs> yeah. Well, these are very different films, right? The yes. while I'm here is just this short um, uh, shot it with the body up here. And it was sort of, you know, it'd been a year since the pandemic started and I'd been here and there's a, you know, there's a personal connection to this cabin with my dad. Uh, you know, he put the floors down kind of the yeah, last year before he died as he was going blind and, um, but it's, it's such a personal essay. Like I'm in it. Like I've, yeah. I've never would step in front of a camera before, but I just thought it was kind of fun. And it was sort of a personal essay um, with some animation um, that, that is, is fun to do. I don't really have those skills. So that's a, a fun way to tell a more elaborate story. But if I can go back to Finders Keepers, I have a couple yeah. more questions about it. So with respect to finding a crew, you mentioned, you know, super snowy conditions. It's obviously outside of Toronto, a fair, a fair distance outside of Toronto. How did you coerce people to, uh, to get up there and and shoot this film for you? Well, yeah. I mean, the actors were on board, you know, it's, that's fun for them, right? They, they love the pain of that. And, you know, (laughs) they didn't recognize, you'd never seen it. You didn't, you couldn't see the pain on their faces in between shots because they were just sort of having fun. But, you know, the rest of us were slogging through the, I'm kidding. They were working hard, wonderful actors working very hard, but the, um, the, um, the, the, yeah, the crew, you know, it was tough to find people. Um, Rob Fisher was producer production manager and a lot of it was his connections. Um, um, uh, just, you know, ads on Mandy. Hey, do you want to come play in the snow? And, uh, um, we, you know, we all put, put them all up in a motel here. I, uh, I think I found some little motel, um, outside of town here and the guy's eyes lit up when I walked in and said, Hey, can I have, um, 14 rooms for a week and, uh, made that guy's winter probably, but uh, <laughs> no, you, you do the best you can, you know, the, and, you, you know, ads on Mandy and pay the, pay them what you can. And, um, but yeah, it's not easy. Um, I hope they, the, the, those that worked on it feel good about it uh, and the effort they did. Cause it, we, the producers, myself and the actors, we really asked a lot of them to kind of, you know, give up their hard work for it. It's amazing how hard people, how the crew works on those things with, uh, you know, there was an element of that film school kind of, let's just get it done. And uh, I think people really rallied around, around that. And, um, you know, I had to sleep at the cabin while every each night with all the gear while everyone went to the hotel, the motel, um, the lighthouse motel in Walkerton, Ontario. I'll give them a plug. You know, each night I'd go to bed and I'm like, geez, I hope they come back tomorrow. <laughs> you know, because I knew I was asking a lot, right? It's the, 
uh, the middle of February. It was actually one week before the pandemic started. Wow. Uh, had it been a week later, we would not have, we would have shut everything down. Um, wow. So, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, so, timing yeah, timing's everything, isn't it? So when, so you finally, you get everything together, you get the film made, like, how did you go about finding a distributor and how did you ultimately end up at a CBC gem? Uh, yeah, not a huge story there. I just, uh, emailed, you know, Canadian reflections is this wonderful. We're very lucky in Canada to have Canadian reflections just there to have an avenue for short Canadian short films to kind of be played on like that national stage like that is really lucky Thursday night at 1130, you know, every week there's a couple of Canadian short films and that's, uh, it was literally an email. And then I think I got passed on to, uh, Mika Kernan there. And that was, uh, would you consider this for the thing? So there was no, you know, I did try other avenues of, you know, trying to sell it to short films and, you know, it got rejected and, um, you know, too dark for some people's tastes or it doesn't fit our catalog or, you know, you're, you're literally trying everywhere. And we're just lucky that in Canada we have Canadian reflections and that it, um, they took a liking to it. But at that stage, you know, you've made this thing. It's, it's, it's kind of desperation unless you have those, unless you have those connections already lined up, it's definitely just, please, will you find a home for my film? And, um, uh, but yeah, that with CBC, it was fairly standard, just a couple emails and, and a yes, instead of a no, which is, you know, you everywhere else is just a, a no or a no reply, but uh, they were very good about it. And uh, yeah, that's awesome. That's great to hear too. Um, and so then in terms of what's next for the project, you mentioned that you had um, a larger script that was cut down. So you know, I'm curious what your what your hope is for the project and maybe what's what's practical or give us the options. Yeah, the, um, you know, right away as I was kind of editing it, I wrote the feature version of it. It ends on a very dark note, the short film, I don't spoiler alert, but, um, but from there it, you know, it turns into this sort of absurd future that um, um, the, is much more playful and is much more uh, what I usually write. Um, just kind of chaotic, um, you know, human interactions in the post uh, post apocalyptic world. And there's so many post apocalyptic films out there right now. I think the one thing that I bring to it is just sort of a new, just sort of a lighthearted kind of bumbling, you know, hopefully subtle comedy to it that just kind of. Uh, you know, human reactions, human interactions are still going to be awkward and, and hilarious for those of us watching, hopefully. But uh, that's, I, I wrote a feature script kind of immediately after the short. And then I got a budget put together for that. And it was $3.1 million. And no one is going to give anyone $3.1 million for their, for their first feature. Um, you know, in winter, you know, snowmobiles and a cast of a thousand, or whatever the hell. It was just it, too much. Um, and so anyway, from there, pivoted to more of a series which instead of going the independent route of trying to raise money i'm now trying to you know pair with producing partners but who knows what their their um where it will go from there it's kind of a series in idea right now uh, i've you know written six episodes you know i would love to expand it maybe a little more out to about eight or ten but that's you know for a writer's room that well can i tell you what i i'm not yeah. a good Please. i'm not a good film critic 
but I, I know when I like things, but I'm not always very good at articulating exactly why. And I feel like you have really encapsulated so many thoughts that I had about why I liked Finders Keeper so much. And it, I think it was because, well, it's twofold. It's because from the start to the finish, it's like every five minutes, the stakes just go way up. And it's so, it, to me, that was so enjoyable because I never lost interest. It was like, okay, here we are. Uh-oh, another hurdle. And that was very, that was so fun to me. And then the other thing I liked is exactly what you articulated in the fact that it's dystopian and it's very serious, but it doesn't, you don't ever feel in distress because of your, the way that you add the comedy to it. There was a, there was a sense that I trusted you to get me through it. No, that's, that's very kind. That's, um, I would love to say that was all deliberate. And, um, you know, you're kind of, as you're writing it, you're naturally um, just trying to keep it interesting, right? And, uh, you know, make it more intense and more intense. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, of course, I've read all the screenplay books and all that. And, uh, um, but at this stage, you're kind of just putting, putting your characters, uh, well, what's the saying? your character in a tree and throw rocks at them and that's definitely what what this was is just kind of um you know there's the natural elements and there's each other there's the relationship between the couple and then this newcomer the scavenger that comes in so it's you know let's just pin them against each other and it's kind of um it kind of writes itself after you know once you kind of set the characters and uh what they each want and try not to give out too much information and unanswered questions I, I probably there's there's probably too many un, unanswered questions in the short but that's the more reason for a se- for a series yeah, I that's exactly how I felt I finished it and I was like no there's gotta be more actually as a fan I I wanted to I wanted to know if we were gonna get any before or if a feature in theory would just pick up from where the short left off yeah yeah essentially the the script that I wrote is literally from the tail credits. Um, there's actually a really lighthearted moment right after the tail credits, which is in the script, which people don't see. And I wonder what people think of me because I wrote this dark ending, but I knew it was a dark ending. And I was like, okay, next page, let's just have fun with it. We go from there. So yeah. Congratulations on making this fantastic film. So I'll leave that aside for one second and just ask you what, what else is going on with you? You know, is there anything else coming down the pipeline that you're excited about that you want to share with everybody? Yeah, well, I'm trying, like I said, the finders keepers feature is, or series, you know, it's a process or, and also a bridge too far maybe right now, but I've written a, um, uh, uh, a feature script to shoot up here, hopefully in range of $500,000. And um, you know, I live in, it's in Bruce County and it's, um, uh, there's something really special about May, June, when things come back to life, it's like it's extra green or something the, with the green, green grass and the green fields and um, perfect blue skies with the puffy white clouds. And, uh, but then in the middle of all that is all these kind of like dilapidated uh, farmhouses and barns that are just kind of falling apart. And it's so such an interesting contrast to have this perfect world and um, sorry, perfect weather with these dilapidated buildings. And it's, I, I've just fallen in love with all that driving around 
in the summers and it's kind of like okay what can we do with that and there's there's so many junkyards and scrapyards and that it's it's really kind of inspiring and um yeah i hope to hope to shoot that in the spring i'm hoping to get a bunch of the uh, gang um from the last one and just kind of stretch it out you know shoot up here for a month and i've written the script so um it's kind of has a virtual reality element to it where there's one character kind of playing this game and the game world is this perfect weather in this dilapidated barns and uh, fields and things like that so you know just for budget reasons okay let's shoot one player in a in a room uh, one character in a room uh, talking on his computer and um, uh, earning credits like social credit so he can go back to his game and play and then so the just for budget reasons to keep it low that makes the game only has to be 60 pages or six. And I, I've never written this way before, but it's like, I was way more conscious of everything you put on the page is in person, is another day, is another dollar. And um, to do it this way was, um, you know, new. And it the story kind of came out kind of uh, in a much more linear way. That's, that's not a pitch, but uh, that's kind of some elements of it that kind of the inspiration of it was, just this, the landscape up here, which is, uh, you know, putting yourself in a new location really can get the imagination going. Yeah, that's fantastic. Do you have a production company attached at all at this point? Uh, uh, no, not yet. Kind of too early for that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, I'm hoping to shoot next spring. Um, you know, I've been I've been emailing some people, and uh, you know, I'm I'm sort of my own producer by default, just to kind of. Uh, yeah, that's that's just kind of the way it goes. Like I'm the only one that wants to make my films, so you got to kind of get emailing and stuff like that. Which is not that's not the part I love. I like doing, but you kind of do have to. Um, it's a necessary thing. You know, you can you can write your scripts. That's what I was doing. You know, I, all the traveling I was doing, I would always be working on a script. And I think I was in China the second time, and it was like I was sitting in a cafe. And I had printed out 12 screenplays that I'd written and just going over them and just improving them. It's like I had the time and um, I would go to this cafe every day and just kind of polish one script, work on another one. And and I just realized I got to get back to Canada and uh, get started on these things. And um, yeah, that's kind of what uh, otherwise they're just, you know, documents on my a folder in my computer it's pathetic if I lose this computer right? <laughs> well it's it must be really exciting to now have you know a short film that you can actually show everybody you know this is what I'm about this is what I do um and here's my work coming to life so that's got it that's got to make it a little bit easier at least you know I'm ha- happy that there's a you know a positive response because then now you can start emailing people instead of just saying hey I'm a filmmaker you can actually say here's something I did and it it greases the wheel so much you you kind of like you can let the link that you send kind of speak for you you don't really need to be begging in this long email about how precious your film will be just just here have a look it's uh, you know i'm not crazy it's 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 okay you know that's the sort of idea right you kind of you want your you know your work to speak for you and Exactly. Exactly. And it does. And it does. So I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep shouting from the rooftops about how great this short film is. And hopefully all of the listeners head over to CBC gem and watch finders creepers. 
Thank you. So thank you so much for coming on the show and um, good luck with everything. And, and I hope to uh, kind of keep, keep an eye on the journey. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to rate and subscribe and head over to our Instagram at Canadian Made Podcast to let us know. See you next Wednesday.